with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. If you turn over to chapter 4, look at verse 18, you see what he's referring to. He said, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. This church in Philippi had been started by Paul and his team 11 years earlier, and he is writing a letter of encouragement to them while he is needing encouragement himself. He's in prison. He's in chains. And uh, there's guards chained to him 24-7. And um, in the third world, it's a lot like this. And in the Roman world, uh, they didn't necessarily have dining halls where they fed their prisoners. If you eat, I understand even in some places in Mexico it's like this. If you're in prison and you eat, it's because some kind person brought you some food. And so Paul, in his own need and his own hunger, was blessed to have a leader, a servant, a volunteer from Philippi named Epaphroditus to come and bring him a bunch of things. They sacrificially gave, and he made the journey, the long journey, to uh, where Paul was in Rome to bring him some things to meet his need. And so what he is saying in verse 17, if I'm a sacrifice... If I'm being poured out as a drink offering, which is a form of sacrifice, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. If I'm able to be a sacrifice because you have sacrificed to me, I rejoice. Because we're all able to honor God with the sacrifice of our faith. You see that. So he's able to endure with greater joy because his tummy has something yummy in it. And his blanket has been replaced by a better one. And his pillow is more comfortable. His mattress, who knows what all they brought him. But he is blessed and able to more readily rejoice and serve the Lord in his sacrifice because he knows that people are behind him and people are praying for him. Who knows that it's easier to go through tough times when you know you're not alone. Amen. Verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven record, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me, But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Remember verse 18 of chapter 4 talked about him bringing things to him. Since he was longing for you all, I guess he was homesick, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, 
not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So apparently he maybe got sick in the journey and kept right on going on to the point of coming close to death. We believe in healing at Generations Church, but we also recognize there would not be a need to believe in healing if sickness was not a reality. Right? Because sickness is real, we need healing. And so here's something right here from the letters of Paul that recognizes the reality of healing and the reality of sickness and Epaphroditus. And no doubt he is healed now and ready to travel. He's going to go back home. So don't let anybody get you into a sense of denial and call it faith as though sickness never exists. It does. That's why there is healing. There are needs. That's why there is prayer. There is weakness. That's why there's the need for strength. We, we live in the real world. We don't glorify sickness, needs, or weakness. We glorify Jesus who helps us to live in the real world and fulfill his will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us from your word today. In Jesus' name, give us hearts to apply what we hear. Lord, may we take home two or three things that will impact and change our life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the characteristics of the faithful. Um, Looking back at verse 19, he says, I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know of your estate. Timothy's name in Greek, Timotheos, Theos is God. Timo refers to valuable or dear. He was valuable to God, and he certainly did live his name. Uh, he is, we meet him in the book of Acts before Paul goes to Philippi to start this church. And Timothy was with him when this church started. His father was a Greek. Uh, we do not know that his father was a believer. His mother was Jewish. She was a believer. Her name was Eunice. Who's seen that Barbara Streisand movie? With a name like Eunice. Um, her mother's name was Lois. She was a believer as well. And he just was radically saved with them and wanted to join Paul's team. Well, Paul's ministry team had a pattern in obedience to uh, the commission in Romans chapter 1. It says the gospel is to the Jew first. So everywhere they went, they reached out to Jews first by eating with them, fellowshipping with them, going to their synagogue meetings and debating with them and leading Jews to Christ and then turning to the Gentiles and leading Gentiles to Christ. Well, to do that, you pretty much needed to be Jewish to be accepted by them, to be allowed in their synagogue. And Timothy was so faithful, even as a young man, he submitted as an adult to the rite of circumcision. Now, for a baby, eight days old as prescribed in the Bible, it's not a major surgery. And I guess for an adult, you could call it a minor surgery, circumcision. But it takes a long time for men that I've spoken to. It'll knock you down for three weeks. It takes a long time to recover. In fact, in the uh, Old Testament, is a story. Uh, Jacob's sons were upset. Uh, I don't want to go into the story. But anyway, uh, two rival families made peace, and the uh, 
a Gentile family, in order to make peace with a Jewish family, agreed to be circumcised. And the Bible says that while they were sick, the Jewish family recanted, the boys, Jacob's boys, went back on their word and went in and killed them all because they were helpless. So here we see the incredible faithfulness of Timothy to go through something like that to be able to take the gospel to a people group. It wasn't for his salvation. It was simply for his ministry. He said, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Timothy had Paul's heart. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. There's a lot of self-centered people in the world, a lot of self-centered people in the church even. To find a faithful person can be a rare thing. Who would find that to be true? It can be a rare thing. Someone you can depend on day in and day out. Timothy was that kind of person. That's the kind of people we want to be, and that's who we're looking at. For I know your proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. He was facing other trials and other things. We know that eventually he did get free and was able to visit this church again. But at this point, when he wrote this letter, he was facing death. I mean, it looked like it could be all over. So Timothy was there to serve him. But I trust the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. And it it did happen. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you or send back to you Epaphroditus, uh, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him but on me also, that I, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So Epaphroditus was able to make the journey and able to survive, and Paul was rejoicing in the fact this guy was alive. So he too, like Timothy, was a faithful guy willing to go through hard times to help serve the purpose of God. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. It is believed from this text that Epaphroditus is the one who is carrying this letter. They received this letter from Paul, possibly at the hand of Epaphroditus, a guy who had survived this near-death sickness. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. And that's the verse we read earlier that he had received from Epaphroditus what he needed. And it was an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. But in the process, Epaphroditus almost lost his life. Who knows what, what went through his body? We don't know, but praise God he did survive. God healed him. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the characteristics of the faithful. Can we say that together? There's three characteristics of the faithful, but before we get into that, let's just talk about faithfulness from Paul's perspective first. In his letters, Paul describes his helpers as being faithful people. In Ephesians 6, he talks about Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister 
in the Lord. In Colossians 1, he talks about Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ. We all say faithful. In Colossians 4, he talks about Tychicus again, a beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant. He refers to Timothy in other places as faithful. In fact, he mentions Timothy... um, Well, two of his letters are addressed to Timothy, but Timothy is mentioned in the New Testament, not counting those letters, uh, almost 20 times. Faithful guy. He talks about Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Now, keep in mind, these people may not have always been faithful. Bringing a word of hope today. You may be a job hopper, a church hopper, somebody that... uh, can't stick with anything very long. But I want to tell you, Jesus can change you. Amen? Uh, one time, Elder Greg sat down with a brother to help him do a uh, resume. And after they hit job 27 in the last five or six years, Elder Greg said, you know what? A resume is going to hurt you. But you can become faithful. Amen? So don't be condemned by this word. Before beginning his ministry, Paul himself became faithful. He told Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. In finding future leaders, Paul looked for faithfulness. You may not be the most talented person in town, but if you're faithful, you'll be rewarded. We look forward to the day when God will look at us and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful people do their best with what they've got. He looked for faithfulness. And if he didn't see it, Paul didn't have much use for you. Look at this story from Acts 15. Barnabas was determined to take with them. John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So John Mark was a, a relative of Barnabas, and so Barnabas had some mercy on him, and, and uh, John Mark didn't have the heart yet in him like Timothy and Epaphroditus had. Maybe he got a tummy ache or he wanted to go home to his mommy, but he abandoned the, 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 the uh, post that was his assignment as being part of Paul's team, so Paul didn't want anything to do with him. Paul could be kind of hard-hearted. And so sharp was this disagreement that Paul and Barnabas formed two teams. And Barnabas took John Mark with him, and John Mark did become faithful. Paul told the church in Corinth, what is required, it is required as stewards that one become, be found faithful. 2 Timothy 2.2, he said, these things you have heard from me among many witnesses. He's telling Timothy how to raise up leaders. Commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Some of the world's greatest preachers are not preaching. Not because they don't have the ability to proclaim in the gift of gab, but because they're not faithful. Their life doesn't reflect the message. And so faithfulness will make the way where giftedness won't. Three characteristics of the faithful. Number one, the faithful are rare individuals 
worthy of our honor. Psalm 12, 1 and 2 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? A faithful person. Proverbs 31 talks about the virtuous wife. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. Why? Because she is faithful. Can we show our appreciation to our faithful wives? And ladies, to our faithful husbands. Because faithfulness is a rare thing. It's something to be appreciated. Something to be highly valued. Um, I was going to mention something politically, but I think I'm going to stop. All right. Number two, the faithful keep their word even when it hurts. Psalm 15.4 says, He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. This is a faithful person. The contemporary English version relates this as being the translation of that verse. They keep their promises no matter what the cost. The Message Bible says, keep your word even when it costs you. And the New Living Translation says, keep their promises even when it hurts. We live in such a culture of convenience that if things get difficult, People bail on their word. It's true. So now to do business agreements, you've got to have contracts full of fine print, full of promises that people sign their name to. And for time's sake, many times we don't even read the fine print. We're just putting our name on it. Didn't used to be that way in our country. Faithfulness is becoming... There's a famine for faithfulness. It's becoming short. Uh, someone told me back in the early days of Granbury that a person... Uh, well, I'll give you an example. If, if you went to First Baptist Church and you wanted to give in the offering, you could write on the offering envelope what you wanted to give and sign your name to it. And the church could take it to the bank and get the money. That's how powerful your name was. It's a smaller community. It would be easier to do that. But the point was, you could write checks without having a check. Because people's name meant something. A name is to be desired above, is it rubies? A good name? It, it, it was, people were people of their word. And so it is in the kingdom of God. If we're faithful people, we're going to be people of our word. And finally, number three, the faithful are trustworthy with little things. Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He is, in, is unjust is also uh, in what is least is unjust also in much. And he goes on to say, He who is faithful in money 
is a faithful person. He was faithful in what belongs to someone else is a faithful person. The faithful are trustworthy with little things. Many times this is where we fail the test of faithfulness is, is, oh, it's just a little thing. It's just a little compromise. And while you maybe you plan on compromising that much, you've gone that far. Or this far and you've gone that far. Faithfulness in little things is the key to being a faithful person. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Here's an interesting story. Van Halen. Who's heard of Van Halen? The rock band. When they became well-known, they uh, were a huge performance. One of their earlier groups that traveled with, I think, nine 18-wheelers. And they broke the mold of only going to major cities. And they would go to smaller venues and, and roll into town where maybe a, a smaller city like um, Austin might have three 18-wheeler bands come in. And they roll in with nine 18-wheelers full of stuff. And so their contract or their riders looked like phone, a phone book of requirements that they had. And uh, in the middle of that was a requirement for in their break room or in the green room, they wanted a bowl of M&Ms with all the brown ones removed. Prima donnas. I didn't find one like that. I don't know if these brown ones are caramel and the black ones are, or it's chocolate and dark chocolate. I'm not sure. But the point is they wanted all the brown M&Ms removed. And if they showed up, the first thing they would check is for that bowl of M&M's. And if there's no brown ones in it, they might cancel the concert. Bunch of, if there wasn't any. Yes. Right. <laughs> Faithful to the little things. Yes, if there were brown M&M's in the M&M bowl, they might cancel the concert. Now... David Lee Roth, in his memoirs, tells why. He says it shows that they paid attention to details if they took the brown M&Ms out of the bowl. He said every time we found brown M&Ms in the bowl, we would double-check on things and find all kinds of mistakes, things that could have harmed us physically. Stage could have fallen over because it wasn't strong enough. The lights could have fallen on us because they weren't braced enough. And so we put that clause, I think it was number 282, in the contract to see if they paid attention to details. Because people who are faithful in small things generally are faithful in big things. Amen? What is a small thing? A small thing is very important. The Bible says... By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen are made of things which are not seen. Everything you see is made of things that are invisible. Little things. Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. Little things. The kingdom of God, nothing is insignificant. It all has its place. Watch this. 
From the dust of the ground, God formed man and breathed into him the breath of life. When the Israelites were trapped with their backs to the sea, Moses stretched out his staff and the waters were parted. Samson struck down a thousand oppressors of Israel with the jawbone of a donkey. At the blast of trumpets and a war cry, Joshua watched the walls of Jericho crumble. With torches and empty jars, Gideon and 300 men defeated an army of 100,000. David chose five smooth stones from the stream. And with them, he struck down Goliath. 5,000 were fed with only five loaves and two fish. If God can use such small things to change the course of history, certainly he can use you. Who would agree little things are important? Little things are important. Jesus told a parable of a master that gave uh, a sum of money to three of his servants, three of his stewards, three of his trusted men. Uh, the one that got the most money invested it and doubled it. The one uh, that got the least money did nothing with it. The one that got a mediocre amount of money, he invested and doubled it as well. And to those guys, he said... Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But the one who didn't invest his investment, he told him, you've been unfaithful in the little things. And so you won't be ruler over anything. And he took his investment and gave it to the one who had made the most. Now, why would someone bury an investment? Because it was so small. It was, uh, I think in the King James, it's one talent that he got. He didn't do anything with it because it was so small in his mind. But in the mind of the master, he was not faithful. What is in your hand? In Moses' hand, all he had was a stick. Just a small thing. But in God's hand, it became a miracle-working machine. In David's hand, what he had was five rocks. But in God's hand, he was a giant killer. What is in your hand? Be faithful with that. It seems that many times unfaithful people are preoccupied with what is fair and what is not fair. It's not fair that, you know, this, that, or the other. If you look at a lot of the parables of Jesus... There's a character in each of them that could cry foul, not fair. The prodigal son, the older brother, not fair. This steward that lost his one talent, not fair. Um, the virgins, five are wise, five are foolish, they could say, not fair. In serving God, it's not about fair and unfair. It's about the purpose of the kingdom. And faithful people somehow shake loose the pettiness 
of being preoccupied with what's fair and what's not fair. And they move on and serve the purpose of God. What's in your hand? Be faithful with that. Water baptism is a small thing. It's a small thing. Where Jesus says that we are to do it. And so if we put our faith in Him and we desire to obey obey Him and make Him our Lord, we want to be faithful in obeying this small thing. It's a small thing to immerse in comparison to sprinkling. But original baptism was immersion. It's not a big difference. Well, I guess it is a big difference. But in, in, in the spectrum of things, it's not a huge difference. Why not be faithful to the Word and put tradition aside and obey Him as believers? Amen. So we're going to baptize some people today. And we're going to do it in obedience to Jesus. What is baptism? It's a picture of the Christian faith. We believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. As I explained earlier, he was overcome so that we could overcome. And he died for our sins. He was buried and he arose from the dead as our Savior. And so it is when we put our faith in him, we take our faith off of ourself and our own efforts to save us and defend us and improve our state before God. We put our faith in Him. That in, it, in itself is a form of death where we turn from the Lordship of self to the Lordship of Christ, turning from ourself. And in water baptism, we are buried in water like Christ was buried in earth, and we rise to walk in the newness of life. We act out what we believe Jesus did for us so that we can live for Him. Amen. Could I have a couple brothers uh, come and just take the lid off and just put it over here to the side, please? And those who are going to be baptized, if you could uh, just sit here in the front row. And uh, we're going to obey the Lord today. Okay, you might want to take your shoes off. All right. So who wants to go first? All right. Faithful man. Yes. Ladies, he broke the ice for you. That's right. All right, Ryan, Kirkpatrick, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he's risen from the dead? All right. Scoot forward as far as you can. And hold your nose with one hand and your wrist with the other. All right. Ryan, upon the confession of your faith and in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Planted in the likeness of his death... Rising to walk in the newness of life. Lord, just fill my brother to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord. Just as he has done this little thing, Lord, may he continue to be faithful in little things. Promote him everywhere he goes for your glory. And heal his body completely, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Bethany. Bethany, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He died for your sins? Do you believe that He has risen from the dead as your Savior? All right, let's get forward as far as you can. Bethany, upon the confession of your faith and in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit planted in the likeness of his death, rising to walk in the newness of life. Thank you, Lord, for new life. Fill my sister to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. <coughs> if, if God gives you a word for any of these who have been baptized, be sure and give it to them before you leave this place today. Amen. Skylar. All right, Miss. Amen. All right, Miss Skyler, do you believe that Jesus is God's Son? Do you believe that He died for your sins? Do you believe that He has risen from the dead? Miss Skyler, upon the confession of your faith and obedience to Jesus Christ our Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, planted in the likeness of His death, rising to walk in the newness of life. Lord, bless Skyler. Lord, fill her to overflowing with Your Spirit. In Jesus' name, use her, Lord, all the days of Your life. Bless her, Lord, for obeying You in this small thing. Amen. James. Yeah, I wish Summer was here. Sarah went to high school with our daughter. It's a wonderful day. Yeah. Okay, Sarah James, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He died for your sins? you believe that he has risen from the dead? <laughs> you ready to do this? Okay. Sarah James, upon the confession of your faith and in obedience to the Bible, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, planted in the likeness of his death, rising to walk in the newness of life. Lord, bless Sarah, Lord, for her obedience, Lord. Fill her to overflowing with your spirit. Use her, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, can you show these a hand again? Congratulations. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Here's water. What does hinder you from being baptized? It's a small thing. But be faithful in small things. You'll be ruler over many things. I pray that as you are faithful in small things, that you're promoted on your job, you're promoted in your ministry, you're promoted in your family, you're promoted everywhere you go. May favor follow you because the Lord is changing you and I and us into becoming faithful people in a world where it is so rare. Faithful people are going to rise to the top like cream on milk. God bless you. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may His faithfulness be your testimony as He is faithful to you and you're growing in your faithfulness to Him. In Jesus' name, let's go show faithfulness to the world, even in little things. God bless you. Amen.